Hello, and welcome to The Sean L. Show, intimate conversations about music, sex, and life in New York City. My guest today is a returning guest. You know him from Real World New Orleans. Welcome back to the show, Danny. Danny, welcome back. Hey, Sean. I am excited to be back. Oh, I'm so excited. We've been talking about this for weeks, you know. I know. We've been chatting on Instagram back and forth, all the different things that we need to talk about. I have no idea if we will hit them all, but we have a robust list (laughs) that we're working (laughs) off of. (laughs) A lot has happened in those like three weeks, too. (laughs) But good things, like really good things. Where, Where were you when you found out we have a new president? Oh, that's a good question because I feel like we found out about six different times. <laughs> you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like the the final official time when it was like enough of all the nonsense. I was in Maine at a nice. friend's house. Nice. Yeah. the The first that time that Saturday, um, I was actually uh, downtown with a bunch of colleagues, and we just ran outside and people were just screaming on the streets here, honking horns and yeah. um, everyone was jumping up and down. And I had this overwhelming feeling that I was about to start crying. And I was like, do not lose your shit right now in front of your colleagues and start crying on the sidewalk. And one of my other colleagues who had been at Starbucks walked up and she already was just bawling. I think that um, I didn't realize how traumatized I had been by the last four years. But when you, when you are in a trauma and someone says that's over now. The relief that you feel is I, – I didn't expect it to feel quite like that, but it was uh, really incredible. Yeah, I think a lot of us felt that way. And by the way, I was pretty jealous that I wasn't in the city at that moment because I, I saw it and it looked really special to be part of. But yeah. I think for a lot of people that was the case. I think a lot of people did not realize how traumatized they had been and were, and we continue to be. Yes, For at least a few more months, I have Mm -hmm. a feeling we're probably going to continue to be traumatized from afar for a lot longer. Oh, I think so. Yeah, there's a lot. Yes, yes. That relief of like, at least this chapter is over. (laughs) There is a lot of work left to be done. So I think you're right. Um, All right. So I want to pick up where we left off last time. You were kind of talking uh, talking to us about your life and your life now. And I kind of wanted to ask you, um, I didn't really get a chance to ask you more about being a dad. Um, you are a yeah. dad. Um, I realized after we got off that call that we, we really only brushed across that really important topic in my life. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually a, a big piece of a lot of guys' lives now, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I I rewatched your season of The Real World after our interview because I was mining for uh, promo content. And there's a right. really endearing clip of you and Kelly, who I know you're still friends with, in the kitchen in The Real World house. And you're sort of asking her about being a dad. You're you're saying like do you think it would be hard for the kid and what are your thoughts on that? It's it's just a really cute moment because fast forward to now, you are a dad. Um you have a daughter. How old is she? So her name is Naya and yeah. she's four and a half. Adorable. She is, she is adopted in an open adoption, adopted at birth. So she has a big complex family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's got lots of layers in her family, but she is an incredible little fairy child. Yes. Yes. she. I know from Instagram, she loves to play dress up. She is 100% fairy, 100% blooded. 
I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm her human. I love that's adorable. That is adorable. (laughs) So you always had this sort of uh, calling to be a dad. How did you decide four and a half years ago that the time was right? Well, I got to be honest, it was never my actual calling. I have a, I have a, I've always had a kind of personal philosophy that there's enough people on this planet and I didn't necessarily have a calling to add to it. But right. I always had a philosophy that if I ever met someone that I felt like would be a good partner in that, then I'd be absolutely open to it. Yeah. My ex, who I was with for 10 years, was very clear about that from day one that he wanted to have a child. So I was very open to that and into it. And when it was time for him and his world, I was completely on board and... The only stipulation that I made, the piece that was mine, was uh, I am not very uh, – well, let's just put it this way. I'm very pro-adoption. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I stipulated that it need to, needed to be through adoption. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to be making any more children in this world. There's plenty to go around, plenty of children out there that need a home, and I – that was my one piece and that, that actually played out. He, it wasn't necessarily what he chose. He wanted surrogacy, but I was pretty against surrogacy. Yeah. Um, and you know, we really freaking lucked out. Adoption is not an easy process. Anyone considering it should, but they should also be clear. It's not easy. There's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of resources involved. It's emotionally draining. It's a long process, but it is extremely worth it. If you can make the end of that marathon. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if I was ever going to do it, and I don't think it is something that I will do because I'm kind of a selfish person. <laughs> I think you yeah, need to be. Well, I will say, like, yeah. an ounce, God love you for knowing that about yourself. That's <laughs> the most important piece. Yeah. It is definitely not for people who really are concerned about themselves because. It sucks every bit of energy out of you daily. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it does. It does. There's it's not room for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no matter how much you fight it, it's going to beat you down. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, because I don't feel that calling to being a dad, I think that I have a similar philosophy with you about if I ever did it, if I was ever with a partner that was passionate about this, I think I would have the same feeling about adoption, about, you know, sort of um, raising someone who really needed that. And that's not to judge anyone who makes a different choice, but I think I agree with your philosophy on that. Um, Nope, not not at all. And by the way, like, I think it is absolutely beautiful if a person knows children and offer them totally fine. Everyone doesn't need to have children. Yeah. It is not a status symbol. Stop the madness. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, it actually, it ended my last serious relationship. We, Uh yeah, we just could not come to a conclusion on that. Um, and we were like, you're pretty clear. Yeah, I'm pretty clear. (laughs) And also financially, I don't think I'm financially stable to be um, raising a kid at this time of my life. Oh, come on. Being financially stable in New York City is a fantasy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Keep the dream Um, alive. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I will. For knowing it is and should be a deal breaker in a relationship. Like if one of you really wants a kid and one of you doesn't. It's not something that you really should compromise over because it's really important. It is because it's that person's life. It's there, you know, you're affecting every second of that, that child's life. So you have to be pretty clear on that. Um, it's a huge commitment. And if it's something you really want, then that's a huge loss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I had to um, release him back to let him 
chase that dream. But tell me now you're living in, well, first of all, the re- that relationship that um, brought Naya into your life has ended. It did. It ended a couple of years ago. We co-parent now. It is a complicated life, but we, we make it work. <laughs> yeah. So you have the added sort of um, interesting aspect of now you are, you're a gay dad, but you're also a single gay dad. What is that like? What was your life like pre-COVID, pre-moving to Vermont in New York City? Well, being, I mean, I guess what the core of what you're getting at is what is it like being single with a, with a child and adapting to a new existence? Yeah. Um, well, it's a son of a bitch, and I don't remake it, recommend it to anyone. <laughs> it was also quite masochistic, but I did it, and I'm, I'm happy I did it. It was – I feel like I've lived in New York twice in my life, and it was two very important pivotal moments in life where I needed to kind of like rise from a past version of my life. Um, that city inspires and motivates and feeds you energy, and if you are in like – you know, any sort of major transition in your life where you need to be infused, it's such a good place to go. And it was, it's been twice for that for me. And now the second time I had a child and it was super complicated, but New York also has the resources for people with young children. I, it was great. I was, I like was able to get her into free pre-K and she had a really awesome pre-K experience pre-COVID that she talks about daily and loves Aww. her friends there. You know, like that was special. That was very New York City. Um, you know, every kid in her class came from a different corner of the planet. That was super interesting. And we probably wouldn't have had some of these experiences in any other place. Absolutely. Now, taking care of a child, period, New York City is a bitch, whether you're single or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> taking care of a child in any place is a lot in any place. Yeah. But, but you know what? I think it's so cool that to give a kid that experience – like right. she loves being on the subway and seeing people. She's super social. She loves going up to new people, going to the playground and playing with a bazillion different kids in a former life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now COVID threw a, a wet blanket on all of this, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So what was what was dating like for you in New York City with a four year old? Oh yeah. That piece. Yeah. The reason I didn't bring that up because there was no such thing really. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> when you're a single parent, you really don't have time or energy for that. You're like pretty ragged and haggard and don't have a ton of energy for anything else but a good freaking nap if you can squeeze that in somewhere. Right. Um, I spent, you know, I was very, what I am thankful for in New York is that I didn't as much have dating, but I, I met some really incredible, cool friends that I came became friends with quickly because, you know, New York is a social place. It's a tough place, too, but you can just as easily meet cool, new, interesting people fairly easily in networks. And I met some cool people that, you know, not didn't just become my friend, but they became Naya's friend, too. And that mm. means a lot to me. But there was no dating. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, like, if you ever had the night off from parenting, like if your if your ex had her, were you did you ever go to gay bars here? Like what what gay bars in New York City would I have run into you at? Or you didn't get a chance to experience that at all because it's so vibrant here. That's a good question. And to be fair, there were a couple of times that my mom came and helped out and was like, please go out and do something fun. Yeah. Or, you know, a friend a couple of times was like, please, I want to give you a break. I'll be honest. All I really wanted to do was just be like, oh, man, I can go to bed early tonight. 
so sad. But you know, if I every now and then I will muster myself up and force myself. Like I, I really, what I really want to do and what I really enjoy is the eagle. I like going to the eagle. I love the eagle. Yes. Uh, so you know, a couple of times I, I ambled out there and had a nice wholesome time. <laughs> But mostly I just don't have the energy for it. <laughs> that is so sad. The Eagle was my favorite bar as well before COVID. And I don't know if we're ever going to get that back. <laughs> and that makes me really sad. I, it may not be the Eagle, but it's going to be some version of it. Yeah. Maybe a virtual version. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, maybe we should open a virtual Eagle. Has this I, been done yet? Is somebody on this out there? Kind of, yes. Um, my sure my roommate has not been invited, Sean. Yeah, no, my roommate. Um, there's a di- there's a party. Um, I cannot remember the name of it. I feel bad because I could plug this poor guy that through this party and now can't anymore but it it was a party um kind of like the eagle and he made it a virtual party so everyone would come on to zoom or whatever and uh just watch each other <laughs> but i think that that doesn't do it for me that's not uh that's not what i'm looking for exactly well there's a very you know there there are very important social aspects that just don't come across video no, not at all. Exactly. It feels like, I mean, this is what I did when I was like 17. You would go into these places and, and like watch people on video and it was like, oh, titillating. But I, the eagle is, is it the nonverbal communication, the eye contact and everything about that bar. I think it, you were is, there at 17, John. No, 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 no. I meant like what the eagle would be virtually. Oh, is like oh, what I was doing at 17 on the internet. Like, I don't need to go back to like jerking off with people on webcam. Like that doesn't do it for me. Like I like the Eagle, the, the nonverbal communication and the, it's just a the very whole, sexy vibe. The version. What'd you say? The wholesome version. The whole break. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not looking for the wholesome. <laughs> That's why I came to New York. I didn't come to New York for wholesome. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So the Eagle, that's good to know. Um, yep. What was your, what was your, what were you looking for at the Eagle? What kind of trouble were you looking look for? for like, anything. When no, I go okay. out, I just go out and I look, you know what I look for? Here's what I look for. I look for, for good music. I refuse to go to a bar with music that irritates me. And my, all my friends know that. And it annoys the shit out of them because yeah. back in the day, I used to make them go to like eight different bars in a row until I would find the right music involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is important. I refuse to stand in shitty music. There's nobody I want to look at that, that it interests me that much to listen to shitty music. Cause yeah. I'm very into music. Yeah. But, you know, I, I really am going there to build energy and have myself a good time, yeah. whatever like that means. Yeah. Yep. I'm not, you know, if I'm using that little bit of energy I got left that's not spent on parenting and I want, if I'm going to go out and do that, then I want to come home feeling like a little magic. Yes. Yep. But do you like the music at the Eagle? I don't need to listen to the music at the Eagle. Right. That's what I'm I had to call you out on that because you're like, the music is so important. And I'm like, right, wait a minute now. The Eagle has wonderful atmosphere. Yes. <laughs> so one time I went to the Eagle, I had taken an edible and I okay. it, it was taking a while to kick in. And 
So I was also drinking because I was out that night and then it kicked in and I was completely crossfaded at the Eagle, which is not does is not what you want to be at the eagle and my friend is like looking for guys to hook up with and i i can't even think about that that's like not the plane i'm on because i'm crossfaded and i grabbed my friend and i was like we had been there for five minutes and i said i have to leave i have to leave the the music has no words the music has no words it's the same song all night i have to leave and i got in a car and Ooh. i went home you must have been there on a really bad night you know what to be fair like every night is <laughs> different and there's a very particular night i like to go so i'm sure there's probably nights that would make my ears bleed there too not so not every night that's so funny i mean i think the music is always the same i think i just was having an averse reaction to it because i was uh in a in a in a a place with the substances that i had consumed that night wait what is your particular night this is what you're skirting uh you know what i don't even recall it's Back in the 1800s when we used to go out, I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long, Sean, because you got to remember, it's been way before even COVID. I don't even remember now. Yeah. But, you know, the night I like to go is probably like, this is embarrassing to say, but, okay, I think we all know this. At this I, I really, I think Latin men are pretty beautiful. Yeah. And it's probably that night. Like, there's a night where a lot of Latin guys show up. I don't even know what night that is. Oh, I didn't know that. It's just total coincidence. Yes. <laughs> um, no, they do have theme nights there. They do. It's It was a magical place. I hope we somebody, get back to some, it. Somebody from the Eagle, if you're listening, let us know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was – I think that was a thing. I, I, I kind of did forget because it does feel like the 1800s now. Oh my gosh. I hope we get back to it. I do. Were you an app guy when you were here? I guess probably not because you wouldn't have had the time or opportunity to sneak away or. I mean, okay. I will, I'll, I'll be honest. I have been on scruff and I've had luck at meeting lots of friends on scruff over the years. And you know, most of them turn out to just be friends and that's, Mm. that's even better. I've never been on grinder or any of the others. Yeah. Do people ever recognize you on scruff and then it's awkward? Well, yes. Well, there was a long time where I tried to kind of hide it and be quiet about it and was embarrassed about it, blah, blah, blah. And I would hate when guys would bring it up because it would happen occasionally. But I've recently turned to just owning it. It's like it's a thing. And I try to make the the best of it because, you know, like where I'm at in my headspace today is quite different. We've talked about this last time. We talked a lot about, you know... A lot of a lot of psychology, which is what I spend a lot of time thinking about these days, and and the world needs a lot of help with these days, um, especially in our little realm corner of the world. So you know, I kind of use I almost use it as a platform to invite people who have similar mindsets to say hello. Mm-hmm. I have super interesting conversations on there with guys who like are trying to in whatever way heal themselves from whatever crazy trauma they've had in their lives. Um, And there's a lot of guys out there that are in that place, you know, maybe most of us. Yeah. I think you uniquely, you are very good at connecting with people. Um, Do you, do you find that draining it? Well, at all, because I feel like you are super open to chatting with people online and, and always sort of have been, is that a drain on you? Do you feel like any sort of codependency for, 
helping others and like always is there a point where you um where you feel like you need to shut off because with this podcast i've had some people dming me that i don't know they've just been they found the podcast and now they talk to me all the time and it's this podcast is such a tiny grain of sand compared to like the giant boulder that the real world was so i can't imagine the difference like that would feel like a lot so you know sean what has turned me towards well first off my background in university is i studied you know early childhood development and education Mm. so i've always had an interest in in psychology but my life experiences now have really led me down a road where i've almost had to understand a lot of it for survival reasons you know a lot of like I think a lot of what does what happens from being visible in any kind of way in humanity is I think learning is that it, it exposes you to a lot of psychopathy and there's a lot of psychopathy in the world, especially now. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than ever, more than ever, people are extremely off off kilter. The world is so off kilter in so many ways. And these, you know, these people do reach out to really highly visible people, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And you do and you and what i've learned is you do have to work hard to set boundaries or it becomes really toxic you you end up with a lot of people pulling energy from you who are desperate for help and energy but mm-hmm. all of us have a limit we all have a tank right you know you can't help anyone you can't connect with anyone if you are not well fed yourself if your soul is not fed if your soul is not full you you can't do a thing for another person right Right. No, that it, makes sense. It takes it takes a long life to learn where, where to set those boundaries, too. I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've figured it out quite yet. I have. <laughs> I have a friend that is kind of visible on Instagram, and I was talking to him about it, and he was saying like, "You just have to block them." And I was like, "No, I can't yeah. do that. I I have to." Sometimes you do. Sometimes when yeah. I think when people violate your sense of safety or your right. sense of peace, right. You need to block those people quickly. Yeah. But I actually try to engage people maybe more than I should because at at the heart of my stubborn self, I'm an educator and I'm always wanting to help people like maybe see something in a slightly different way or give Mm -hmm. them an extra piece of information that maybe helps them find some peace Mm -hmm. or maybe helps me understand them more so I can find some peace, you know, like I think more in that way and you know, my friends will tell you, I, I, I do, I keep my boundaries too loose probably. Yeah. And let me tell you, I've had some crazy people over the, like I've, I've dealt with some multiple true life stalkers. I've dealt with some real life psychopathy. I've dealt with some real life sociopathy. It's scary stuff. And these people are, there's a lot of them out there, but it's not that we should be afraid and think they're around every corner. <laughs> right. But they do appear in surprising places. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm, I'm surprised that after all of those experience you experiences, you are still open. You're very open, and I think that's a that's actually a compliment to you that you well, have you been have able to, to be, remain that way. You, we all have to be in this life because that's what this life is about. It's about being open to people and connecting. What humanity is like failing to understand right now, this is very hippy dippy, but it is, I think, the core of existence is we're all social creatures. We're meant to be interconnected. We are interconnected. We require each other's connection for existence. Mm-hmm. The second we think that's not true, that we think we're all these independent units that don't need each other, we are lost. And that's where we are right now. There's a lot, lot, a lot of lost people that think we're all these independent units. Yeah. That's 
humanity. That's never been humanity. That's not what we're about. We're spiritual creatures that need each other and are interconnected. There are times in life when we all need to shut off and block out the world to protect ourselves mm-hmm. when we're in crisis. But if you're doing that at any like in an in just a normal existence, you're 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 disconnected, you're blocked, and that's not healthy for anybody. You know, so no matter what trauma happens in life, you've got to like work through that and get to a healthy place again. It is incredibly important to be able to connect with people again. Yeah. You <laughs> learn the boundaries and where to connect, hopefully, the next time. Yeah. Maybe you connect with different people, but it is so, 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 so important. You can't, we, none of us can stay shut off, not for very long. Yeah. Our souls die. Have you ever um, gone to meet someone, uh, maybe for a hookup, and you hooked up with them, and then after the fact, you found out they knew who you were? Like, have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you were vulnerable and then it comes and gets you after and you're like, oh, fuck. Well, once again, I don't really hook up too often. Right. (laughs) In the past, (laughs) pre, Um, pre like marriage, uh, long-term relationship, but post Paul, I guess. Post Paul, which was ages and ages and ages ago. Yes, that has happened. And it's always really uncomfortable and it always makes me immediately consider like what's this person's intentions is yeah this person safe? like you know i never fully let go of that it's like i'm always very conscious of what a person's intentions are what danger they present to me we kind of touched on this last time mm-hmm. you know a lot of what i work through is trusting people mm-hmm. and even though i'm incredibly open and i let people come in i keep hard boundaries though with men like mm-hmm. you gotta really prove yourself that you're safe to me before i let you through and oftentimes the minute that a person brings that up that is like the fastest way to turn me off right right but if if they bring it up early it's probably it's probably not as much of a turnoff as if you've had a whole like situation and then they're like by the way like what's you know tell me about this like that feels like a vibe i listen to a lot of um there's a podcast called why won't you date me with nicole byer brilliant comedian she hosts nailed it very funny show on netflix she has a lot of um people that are yes i know her yes She's incredible. I a lot, a lot of comedy, by the way. Yes, she is incredible. I love her so much. But this is a, qu- a line of questioning she asks a lot of her guests that have notoriety because the show is okay. also about um, sex and dating. And so she she is she talks a lot about her dating, and because she's in that realm of fame where she's not like super famous, but she's way more famous than a lot of people. She gets these things where she'll match with somebody on an app, go on a whole date, have a whole hookup or whatever it is and then they're like oh i love nailed it and she's like what the fuck just happened to me and so that's what yeah that's why i bring that up because i think that's gotta feel wild well i think it's been a long 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 time so i don't think people care that much anymore but some people do i mean i think i think there's a lot of people that mean something too in a positive way like i i didn't realize until recently to be honest and i gotta say you're part of this but what I had always assumed earlier on is that it was more my generation that my show impacted, meaning like I, I would technically expect more like, a you know, somebody in their 40s to reach out to me and say this show, my experience made an impact on them. But I got to say, it's actually more your generation. Yeah. It's guys who are like 12 to 16 or so or when my show was on, which totally blows me away. I never realized that until now. Yep. Oh, 100%. It, 
scared of that suddenly sink in when a lot of guys started messaging me on Instagram for whatever reason. I think a lot of people are home with a lot of time on their minds. Yes. Messaging me on Instagram, it's very sweet and I love the shit out of it, but it made me realize that, oh, wow, it's not my generation that this meant something to, it's it's your generation. Yes. Yeah. Like, your parents were letting you watch that shit at 12? No, they didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't realize what I was watching. They didn't know I was watching you on The Real World. Yeah. because it was super naughty back then yes and, and year old it's i'm like how does a 12 year old even understand all this but of course they do yeah oh absolutely yeah it feels weird now because we're adults looking back at 12 year olds but when you actually are 12 you're like oh you know but um that no that's absolutely it and five adults yeah <laughs> i've um I've had people, I've had a lot of people follow me and, and also DM me that they really enjoyed the episode that you were just on and that you really do mean a lot to people from my generation, I think. And I think that's unique. I don't think that every real worlder has like this generation of kids that sort of looked up to them. So I think that's unique that 20 years on, people still are like wanting to know what's up with you and people really are. Um, would you, I think around your age group was kind of the last, young people who were majority closeted it yes. like started quickly to shift after you so mm-hmm. that meant a lot of something to those you know at that time those kids and it still right. means something to them now it's a really pivotal mem- memory for them and really important yeah like oh i saw that show i saw your experience it inspired me to like really want to embrace who i really am mm-hmm. and I don't want to be ashamed of this and I'm going to do this at 14, which by the way, when I was 14, ain't no way in hell I would ever talk about it. Right. Right. I was at a redneck ass school. I'd get my ass beat. <laughs> yeah. I went to a private Catholic school. So I think everybody knew, but I wasn't out. So I the didn't nuns would whip you. Yeah. <laughs> we did, Luckily, weirdly, we did not have nuns, but it was uh, a very oppressive environment that I definitely took a lot of trauma from. Um, I had mentioned it on Instagram recently. And one of the teachers actually follows me and, and kind of said like, I, I don't agree that that was your experience. And I was like, well, with you i felt safe but that's not the experience of that whole institution so that's also, actually really you gotta love it when somebody tells you that they know your experience better than you do <laughs> yes a hundred percent and i corrected her uh, you know i really went through it um in in paragraph form <laughs> and to her credit she was very receptive and, and understanding and i also challenged her because she's still there i said and what are you doing for to make it even better than what i had it for this generation and these are the things that i experienced that you didn't see and um so it's it's very interesting um, but off that topic of you still being a figure from this time ago that people still are interested in, I want to talk about like your time in the media because you popped up a few years back on a TV show called DTLA that I don't know if anybody knows what this is. Um, but it was with the guy from Noah's Ark, uh, Daryl Stevens. Daryl, not yes. just the guy. Daryl is a pivotal. Daryl's an important guy because I think he is probably of all the LGBT people of color out there, probably like number one in television. Yes, or at least from from you know a certain time frame. Yeah, he was the main figure on this show. A big, he was a producer, a big part of what drew me in. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. This show was cheesy as fuck. It was cheesy as fuck. <laughs> but it had really fun people on it. It had some fun creators. 
Sandra Bernhard was on this show. It is the fucking randomest show that's ever existed. Like the script was such a mess. They would change the script every two seconds. Yeah. By the way, I'm not an actor. Like this was all like bootleg ass acting. But there were a lot of people that had little magic pieces here and there putting it all together. Yeah. And it got picked up by Logo, which was fucking unreal, but it was such a mess. They immediately dropped it. (laughs) How did this come to you? Like, how did you come to do this? Like, how did they find you? What Um, People over the years hit me up in all the craziest places. I think I got a fucking crazy email from the producer one day. And I was in... And I was like, this sounds fun. Let's check it out. You know what was also uh, really fun and exciting on it was that one of the other characters was, um, I mean, everybody on this show seriously like came from some niche corner of the of the entertainment world, which was interesting. But one of the people was um, New York from from like right. one of these crazy reality shows yes um from the uh, guy with the clock and then she had a spinoff i love new york the guy with the clock the guy with the clock i can't remember his name <laughs> flavor flave oh, i'm gonna challenge you all to look up his name flavor yes. flave i remembered yeah the flavor flave it was one of the most ridiculous reality shows ever made it's when it's one of the shows that turned the genre into old utter garbage yes but she's fucking amazing and hilarious, and you just can't. I there. I don't. I think there are few people who can turn away from that lovely woman. <laughs> yeah, oh no, she's captivating. It for better or worse. That's a good way to put it. She yeah, is captivating. She is captivating. Everything yes, about her. Yes. <laughs> no. You had you can't turn away from that fire. No. Exactly. No. <laughs> I don't think you had any scenes, if I'm remembering correctly, with Sandra Bernhard. Did you get to meet her at all during this oh, experience? God, that's right. She was on it. One of the she was on it. Yeah. It just had all these crazy fucking cool people, I'm telling you, which was what drew me in. But we made all these episodes, but none of them got aired. I think only two or three episodes aired and they shut it down. Like it was a train wreck. Wow. Train wreck, which is unfortunate, but it was a lot of fun, I will say. I had a lot of fun doing that. A lot of fun. More fun than I should have had. Yeah. <laughs> I think I watched the whole, like whatever is released on the internet, I've seen it all. And I remember it ended really weird. Like it was a cliffhanger, but it was, it, it, there was something wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah, well they were probably They had probably written. lost some of the footage, so there was a gap in it. Oh, no. <laughs> But more so, like, there was probably supposed to be the next episode where it just never got aired. So you're like, what the fuck? What, ha- what happened? Oh, my God. That is so that. And then it just wild. disappeared. That is so wild. Because it, it was really felt like watching something somebody in college, like, put together. It just was really bad. But it had you. It you had Daryl. It had. What it was. Yeah, it had Sandra. Like, it had names. But it was. It had, listen, this is what you need to understand. There's, there's, like, two major components for producing any kind of film. Yeah. Money and people. Yeah. <laughs> it had all the people, but it had no money. This was a bootleg-ass budget thing. Uh. It was bootleg. I think they were like taking out credit on somebody's credit card making that thing. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like the Fire Festival. <laughs> yes, it was the Fire Festival on on of TV uh, shows. Uh, wherever it ended up. Where did it end up? It uh it was on DT it was in LA. It was like a D it was called DTLA. No, no, but... no. What network did it end up on? Sorry, I said it. Oh, um I do Holy think space. it was on Logo for a while, but it's Logo, sorry, I yes, think Logo. you can still it get logo, it. Which was also like Fire Festival. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I think you could still get it online. I don't know if it's Netflix, but oh, it really? is. Yeah, it's oh, it's out there. <laughs> I avoid all that trash. I can't. I can't stand to see myself on film or hear myself. It just it. I can't do it. It's. I don't like it. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, you had a very steamy shower scene with Daryl. Yes, I did. You were like all Christine. Okay, Daryl's a sexy dude. That's all I'm gonna say. You had your face fully in his ass on this TV show. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> almost. Like very almost. Okay, well, it was I'm telling you, it was it was a good scene. I think it was probably like what they hinged the whole thing around, which kind of blew it because I think they they kind of went from trying to create a legitimate show to porn. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they wanted to, like, promote the people that people had heard of. So, like, I know that, like, it was a big deal that you were on. Definitely Sandra Bernhard. But then when you... Too hard, right? Yeah, when you you watch it, you guys weren't the main focus of the show. And the writing was bad. And... Bad. It was really bad. So bad. That's why I say, uh, God, Larry, all of you, Daryl, if you hear this, I think you know this. Like, that writing was awful yeah (laughs) that's that's all we need to talk about we don't need to talk about that experience at all (laughs) i we i just wanted to know your experience of the shower scene how fun was that that? scene wasn't daryl was a sexy man that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) all right we'll leave it very 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 sexy man (laughs) we'll leave it there i'll dm you for more information but being on being so you don't like to watch yourself back but would you ever do television again would you ever you know this has been so fun i feel like you haven't you have there's so many things that you're interested in talking about i recommended to you i'm like you need to be on a podcast maybe we'll start a separate podcast about politics but like would you ever come back into the public eye like what is your relationship with that because it seems like you have like a love-hate relationship i do have a love-hate relationship with it but no i don't want to do it i'm old ass I am too tired for that shit. I don't need to be on any film. There's enough people on film. I got tons of opinions. <laughs> I talk your ear off at moments. That Maybe is you so and I should do another podcast. We talked about this. We did. I did mention it to you because this podcast is about music and sex. So when I get too serious, I get negative feedback. <laughs> people, uh, you know what? Listen, what, what we need to bring a little bit is, is – all of us Americans need to hear a little bit of real shit. Yes. More so we don't end up with Trump in office ever again. Yes, okay? 100%. And we I like sneak Trump it in. in office because we get a little too happy about our music and our candy. Okay, people? <laughs> <laughs> I That's do sneak it in because it's part of my – You can't eat Cheerio. Or you can't you – got, you got to have something besides just your Cocoa Puffs every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true i sneak I, it in i get it in when when i can um because it's a huge part. i enjoy a little a mix life should be a good solid mix yeah and it's a big part of my personality i'm very passionate about these things so i do sneak it in when i get the opportunity but um so, i've tried to do whole episodes around it and people are like why aren't you talking about the the eagle essentially because <laughs> that's been a topic fun people but even at the eagle listen boys even at the Eagle, you need to be, be able to have a big boy conversation with a really sexy man sometimes because that might be what turns him on. Yeah, absolutely. If all we can talk about is Cocoa Puffs, <laughs> you're going to have a limited audience. The more you are informed of, the broader your audience at the Eagle, boys, okay? Right. I love that you're, <laughs> you made a serial euphemism now. 
on the podcast. Well, we all like cereal. We do. It's very sugary. so many different kinds. Yes. Um, I want to, speaking of politics, I want to um, pivot to the topic that was on the list the last time that we didn't get to. And that is a film that you watched and you made me watch. And... It's called The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. Oh, yes. Social Dilemma. Uh, okay, I think set this up for people. should be required to watch Social Dilemma in 2020. And if you want to follow that up, you should also read Mindfuck, which is by Christopher Wiley. Okay. Every, every American should be highly informed whether you're a conspiracy theorist or not. You should understand these concepts. Explain to people what Social Dilemma is in case they haven't heard of it. I know it's pretty big, but just in case. It's a big concept, so let me try to simplify it really quickly. It's, it's the idea that our media is all fed to us through social media at mm-hmm. this point. Yep. In the past, we've gotten our media and our information in many different mm-hmm. ways, and it was all a steady diet of – very filtered information who came that came through very specific lenses, but generally no no matter what your you know angle was, it came from a handful of narrow sources. Um, it was a lot less political. Nowadays we get all our information fed to us through social media. A major problem with that is that our social media is fed to us through algorithms, which feeds us, more and more and more through artificial intelligence, through what we want right. to see. Okay. Right. What everybody needs to understand about artificial intelligence right now, by the way, I work in tech, so I geek out on this dumb stuff. <laughs> artificial intelligence is actually pretty dumb right now. It feeds us very narrow bands of what we think we want or what we want more of. And it's very narrow. It doesn't take nuance into effect. It doesn't think about like, okay, this person is reading this, but maybe they're reading this because they actually want the opposite viewpoint right now right it will feed you more and more and more of the same narrow whatever that you look at right until you find yourself in the loudest tiniest echo chamber and you think all of it's freaking real and most of it's complete shit okay and that's honestly to be said on on no matter what political spectrum you fall on we're all being fed loads and loads and loads of echo information. It doesn't actually necessarily reflect reality. It doesn't necessarily reflect a nuance. It doesn't necessarily reflect um, a global view. So many layers of this. Right. And it is the crux of why the world feels so chaotic right now. There's something to be understood from a psychological viewpoint. A lot of people are leaning towards all sorts of conspiracy theories now, and that's on the left and the right. That is um, very Especially true. the right, which has absolutely lost its fucking mind right now. And that's – I'm sorry, but <laughs> like, you can edit that out. No, um, I'll leave it in. I'm, I'm, uh, I, think, um, I think the left is very guilty of this in many ways too. Yeah, we can be. Um, but everybody's really getting easily sucked into conspiracy theories now, and it's all being fed through social media and the internet. People are drawn toward conspiracy theories because we all want to be part of something special and elite that other people aren't in on. Egos want to be part of something that's better, that knows more than you, that's on the inside. Even though it is probably complete, utter, insane fucking bullshit. Right. It does not matter. It's not about logic anymore. It's being part of the special elite group. And it's very, very, very easily fed to everyone through algorithms. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think we need to get that understanding out before the next wave of media hits, because I think that all of these people that are in these conspiracy theories are jumping off of Twitter and Fox News because any monochrome, any little bit of truth that they're fed, they're mad. And so they're going to start new social networks where they can't get any truth that they're they're any truth anymore. Yes. Which is wild. Carly, which, okay, you know, it's actually great for a lot of us because people that have lost touch with reality are going there. But it's everybody, what I want for everybody to understand right now is how, how dangerous it is. It is dangerous. Right? Americans are being radicalized like crazy now. Our real danger now is radicalized right Americans who think they are defending a version of Christianity. Right. A hundred percent. Not a lot of difference there, and we should actually all be paying close attention to this. We shouldn't think this is a joke. We shouldn't be belittling this. It's super dangerous. People are being radicalized like crazy on social media sites. And yes, when Fox News has become too truthful, <laughs> we're fucked. Yeah, okay, we're fucked, and people shouldn't think this is funny because it's fucking dangerous. We were playing with fire now. We were playing with fire. And there's a lot of Americans that just showed 71 or 2 million Americans that just voted for a fucking lunatic just showed you that they're ready to burn this barn down because they don't like the cows in it. Right. And just let go of democracy completely. But (laughs) well, they want their version of democracy. Yeah. I have a question for you. Did you ever watch the show Mad Men? You know what? I never watch much of that. I'm okay. familiar and I watch bits and pieces, but I, I'm not much of a television watcher at all. So for people that have not seen The Social Dilemma, they try to explain how social media works by having like a set. They're acting as if a central guy is like pulling the levers of it who represents artificial intelligence. And it's played by Pete from Mad Men. So the people out there that li- that watch Mad Men, it's he's the perfect person to play this weirdo AI guy. But for me, because you would post about this movie and I was and I was like, okay, I'll watch this. I'm interested in this stuff. But I felt like I knew this already. Like I I was like, all right, what am I gonna learn here? What am what what is my takeaway gonna be? Cause I feel like I'm educated on this stuff and it it actually still blew my mind. There were more things in this movie that I didn't know, even though I felt like I I did know a lot about this topic. I didn't know that they get very granular. They know who your ex is. They can predict who your ex is because they see if you're stalking them after how long you spend on the, they, that you've stopped interacting and how long you spend on the page and different things like that. Um, and it was a lot of people that used to work in really high positions at Facebook, Twitter, um, yeah. talking about how we're doomed and they really regret their life's work. So that... right. These weren't just like, <laughs> People low at the bottom who are disgruntled with their jobs. No. These people that design these systems. Correct. Okay? They know yeah. how they work. They made them. They're having regrets. They're having a, a crisis of conscience. That's tough shit. You shouldn't have been part of this to begin with, people. That's the lesson to be learned here. Yeah. All right. Just in our last few minutes here, I'll quickly describe to you how this stuff works. It's not as sexy or as cool or as, as it freaking sounds. When people hear artificial intelligence, you're like, ooh, this computer is reading my ass. Okay, what's really <laughs> happening is the fact that, A, people are actually really fucking predictable and simple. As much as we all like to think we're so cool and unique and special, we do a lot of the same shit. So it's easy to categorize each of us in the databases. Right. 
So if you know person X likes doing likes doing thing A, and usually the people that do thing A do thing B too, easy to drop that in a database. So they, it's what it really is is a huge web of databases, just fucking boring databases that. The computer has a language to connect the databases over time. Like, oh, this person did this. This person did that. This person is this. This person is that. I'm going to connect all this generic shit. It shows you how unspecial people really are because it's connecting all the generic shit together. The reason it's funny sometimes is because it's off. It, it, the yeah. database didn't connect. You're actually unique in some way. And you're like, oh, that database was wrong. This shit is hilarious. Why does it think this? Right. Maybe sometimes, though, it actually subconsciously it knows what you subconsciously actually want. That's when it's even weirder. <laughs> right. But all it is is a bunch of databases being connected and feeding information. We're all feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding the machine. We tell it everything and ask us so many questions. It doesn't even need to ask us because we give it to it every thing we write tells that computer everything about us right. the same people who will sit there and, and go insane about the government stealing my information identity they will daily feed it to facebook daily <laughs> daily daily and now parlor which is just another giant corporation stealing your information they think they're all fighting for freedom it's a fucking tech corporation taking your information and using it against you because you're too dumb to fight for a government that actually protects your privacy you think you're being free by letting these corporations take your information okay i'm gonna get down off that soapbox now. <laughs> but here's the thing watching this crazy thing if i was a logical person i would go to my phone and i would go to my laptop and i would delete all of these social media things but i didn't I, I'm more educated about them now, but I'm still just as addicted to what? Instagram as I was. Three <laughs> it does not matter because we are all on Google and Apple platforms, all of us. Right, all of us right. on this planet, if you're on a fucking phone or a laptop, you're on a Google or an Apple platform, and you're still feeding the same information to them, and it's all still being sold. They right. are harvesting us like shitty cheap lettuce in a factory. <laughs> We're so easy to harvest. Americans are so clueless we're as like to how iceberg. we're harvested. And we think it's about freedom. It is not about freedom. It's about being a sucker and being harvested. Right. And it's all being used against us. Our country is chaotic right now because technology, which is ahead of our human development, is being used against us. Right. I That's cannot, true. I, I can't say this lightly, like strongly enough. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating here. It is so simple and it produces so much money that is power in this money. Until we all really grasp this, we're going to live in chaos. I hate to say it. We're going to live in chaos. What do you think the solution to this is? Because like I, I get, said, I didn't I delete my gives Instagram. Me hope. Yeah, tell the me. government, both the crazy Trump administration and the Biden administration, even though they're coming from different angles and different concerns, both – I think both parties, both sides of America understand there's something deeply wrong with technology mm -hmm. in this country and deeply wrong with how our, our data is being used. There's something deeply wrong with how big these companies are. A company that brings you your consumer goods should not also be harvesting your data. Right. It should not also be feeding you your content, should not also be storing your data. 
I'm not going to tell you what company that is, but there's a company in this country that is so huge. Most Americans have no idea actually what this company really does. Mm -hmm. They think it brings them their toilet paper and shit, but this company actually really collects your data and they sell it and they keep it on huge servers. The servers are so huge that all of your fucking data and everything that you consume as content is on their servers, whether you're watching Netflix, you're watching their content. You're watching whoever's content. It's probably on their server. Yeah, 100%. And they're collecting every ounce of information that you produce, which is every movement you make. Yeah. It's insane. Americans have no idea. They're, you're being listened to nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop. And this company has convinced us we need actually listening devices from them. By the way, <laughs> I'm not like some crazy you know, anti-tech yeah. person. I'm yeah. super pro-tech. The reason I work in tech is I got into tech because I see the good it can do. I, I believe that it can be used to transform this world in important, useful ways, but it is being used so fucking wrong right now. And I can't stress that enough. Yeah. I can't. I have a small apartment and we have two of those listening devices in my apartment. I didn't Get choose that. that. Shit out of there and turn <laughs> your phone off when you're having interesting like I didn't choose oh, it, but my roommate brought it in. Mine. You need those out of your place right now. I know, I know. But my roommate brought it in. I was against it. He got them for free. And then he put the Of course he did. I know. But then he put the lights on it, Danny. Now I tell the device to dim the lights. We didn't have a dimmer before. I love it <laughs> well now it's great because they actually have your video content they don't just need your voice content right it's great when you combine the two yeah, yeah. sean you and i are going to talk offline okay okay <laughs> you get me really worked up about this because this You're is, this so... is a reason i'm not some crazy and again i'm not a crazy anti-tech person i get really worked up with this I think we all recognize the world is chaotic and it's more chaotic than it's ever been It's kind of like when you get in a storm and you can't really see what's happening, but you know somewhere there's some core piece of the storm. I'm telling you, I'm telling all of you, it's technology, it's the devices, it's the social media, it's all of this. It's a perfect storm causing total chaos, and it's all designed to do what it's doing. Nothing's wrong with it. It's doing exactly what it's designed for. So question is, we're, we're going to keep using our Google platforms. We're going to keep using our Apple products. I'm still going to stay on Instagram because I love the validation that it provides me, which is a whole Maybe other podcast. Like, no so what is ditch to Google? <laughs> if you can, uh, if you can give us one thing in closing, if everyone that's listening to this can do one thing to be more aware or take one step to further us in this weird tech tech thing that we're in how do we balance it because we're not going to stop so how do we balance of course no 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 and i'm not saying let's turn back the clock on tech the way that our data is harvested and used needs to be changed so you know this is a huge broad question and there's no easy answer and there's no one answer there's a bazillion answers but i think the most important thing is to be aware of of and support the government's inquiry into what these companies are doing and support potentially breaking them apart. They, yeah. Some of them should not be as large as they are. Some of them should not be, be doing all of the things they're doing under one hood. Right, right. We need competition. America is in a shitty place with our economy. We think we are this super competitive, 
country full of entrepreneurs. We're less entrepreneurial than we've ever been because technology has concentrated power and rules into a tiny little function that needs to be decentralized so badly that so that small players can have a, a chance again. If you're a tiny seller, you're a signed, tiny producer, you should not be a slave to fucking Amazon. Right. Yeah. Who's harvesting all your data. None of this should be congregated into such tiny places. We This happened before in America. This is nothing new. If anything, history teaches us so much. I am, I I beg you all to read about the last sort of golden era in America that this is very relative to, which is the late 1800s when power concentrated into a few hands. Those huge corporations which owned everything abused the shit out of us, and it took a revolution in America to like change that to get to the America that we think of now. That America is being eroded faster than we can blink because yeah. what – Everyone, if if you want to take anything away from this ridiculous, horny, rambling conversation <laughs> about the eagle, is that whoever controls the information controls this era. Okay, like I want you to hear this in your dreams. I want you to hear this nonstop. Whoever controls the information controls this era. Yeah, apply that to everything. Okay. That is a good note to end on. Um, Even this, when you're at the Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think about this stuff when I'm at the Eagle. I put my phone in my sock and I get to sure you do. do. They're even listening to you at the Eagle. <laughs> well, they... And then they're going to feed you really, really, really corny ads. <laughs> For jock shops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is so fun. Okay. Maybe. Um, Thank you for coming back on. That was a good note to end on. Um, we brought it full circle. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you, Danny. Please tell folks where they can find you on social media. If you, you want to be found. Yeah, you can find me at jdannyroberts on Instagram, which right now in COVID lockdown in the woods where I am in Vermont, I'm on way more than I should be because it's my sole social outlet and it's yeah. unhealthy. Talk about feeding your information to Facebook, for God's sake. Yeah, well. I'm not blind to it. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, even better, I like for people to find me, actually. Um, I am I am a, a career counselor, so I am on LinkedIn a lot. You can find me there, too, under um, Daniel Roberts. Very cool. Maybe I'll find you there and you can counsel me on my career. That would be, that'd be great. All right. Oh, we all need that help right now. Hell Actually, yeah. All, a lot of us need the help yeah. right now. Hopefully you'll make a lot of money during this time. Everyone's pivoting. All right, Danny, thank you so much for being here. I will chat with you on Instagram. I'm looking forward to putting this episode out and we will talk very soon. All right, Sean. It was fun again. All right. Good night, Danny. All right, have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. You okay, too. Night, night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of The Sean Al Show, follow me on Instagram. If you already follow me, click the drop-down menu and turn on post notifications. This will let you know when I put out a new episode. Wherever you're listening, be sure to subscribe, like, press the heart button, rate the podcast five stars. If you're listening on Apple, you can literally write a review. I love it when you tell me a short story in that space or ask me to give a shout out to your dog or your grandma. Um, just reviews help and I appreciate it. 
Tell a friend if you're enjoying this episode or any of the other ones. Telling people about it is a great way to get the word out. Post it on your Insta stories. DM a link to your group chat. I always appreciate it. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.